book of Daniel, we've been going through this series of kind of redeeming Mondays. Every week I've tried to find some memes. Not so meme heavy this week, but this is still how I can tell. Some of you still feel this way every time it's a Monday. Now, there is one easy fix. The Babylonians, Daniel lived in Babylon, not by choice, but that's where he was. The Babylonians had a solution to the problem of uh, the work week and having to go back to work on Monday. It, they are the civilization credited with the seven-day work week. Okay, so it's easy. You don't have Mondays if, if you have work all seven days, which some of you know all too well. I know that through this whole time, I've tried to make clear, Monday is just kind of the prevailing Monday. Some of you, Monday is every day. I get that. Uh, and And so... Your schedule may vary, your mileage may vary, but everybody has those moments, and some people have them weekly, where the thought of going back to the grind is not a pleasant thing. If you're in a job where you are excited and thrilled and going to work is awesome every Monday, good for you. Thank the Lord, I'm being serious, thank the Lord for that, because that's not everybody. Sometimes you do what you have to do. Sometimes where you have to work at a given moment is not where you would choose to work, but it's where they hired you, and it's where they pay you, and you should thank God for them, even if you don't enjoy it all that much, because that is a gift from God if you're able to work and make a living and, and be provided for that way. So there is that. We should, we should probably be a little bit more grateful and a little bit more thankful on Mondays for that whenever your Monday actually hits. I know for me, I have... It's, it's not the first day of the week, obviously, but any day of the week where everything goes wrong, I just call that Monday. It doesn't matter when it is. And so I have Mondays on a Thursday. I have Mondays on a Wednesday. If somebody's telling me, you probably heard me say this to you. If you're telling me that you were having just an absolute crazy, really bad day, I went, oh, you had a Monday on a Tuesday, didn't you? It just happens, doesn't it? And when it does, this is us. I mean, that's just, that's just kind of, I really like the one from... What is that? That Ice Age thing or whatever that is? That may be something else. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little... <coughs> now, I'm going to do it. I did actually... This is my squirrel. I just saw a... Did I see a squirrel? Anyway, uh, it could happen. You were talking about allergies. I real cause, because, because I'm over 50, I had a little thing with vitamins in it and allergy medicine in it and blood pressure medication in it. And so I, a long time ago, just bit the bullet and decided I would do like I was 80. And that's not an offensive thing I'm saying. Uh, and just go ahead and get the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because I don't remember. Did I do that? Did I not do that? I'm afraid of, you know, double or not at all. So I, I have that. Actually, the other day, I 3, 3D printed a new one and put it in an Altoid tent. It makes me feel like I'm getting a mint. I feel better about it. Uh, but I, I looked in that and I had them all in there and my vitamin was, was in there. And I thought my vitamin was Zyrtec. And so all week long, I've been having, you know, there, there was the rise in COVID in town. And everybody's, oh, everybody thinks it's allergies. And I'm, every day I'm going, well, they better not think it's allergies because I have that. And so, I, but I'm thinking, I am on Zyrtec. And so I shouldn't be having this problem. Usually that really takes care of mine. and I don't have any problem. But every day it was getting worse. Every day. Finally, I had to refill yesterday because it was Saturday. I start to refill. I open that thing up and I look in there and I go, there's no Zyrtec in here. I've been taking a vitamin the whole week, and whatever it was, it does not help with your allergies. I don't know what that was, but it's useless. So I took my blood pressure medication, and I found a meme, and we're just going to thank God and carry on. Even if it's going to be Monday tomorrow, it'll be fine, and uh, 
Yeah, all of that. That's that's kind of the hard part, too, is you have all of your other challenges besides work, and they all bleed into Monday. One of the articles that I cited in the very first lesson in this, they went into why uh, this person that they were talking to in that part of the article was a video production manager. And he said, we never record on Mondays. We never do video. We never do sound. Uh, we will brainstorm. We will think about what we're going to do the rest of the week. And we, we do logistics. But we do things we can do without being at the top of our game. Whereas recording, you absolutely have to be at the top. He said, we just never do that because everybody comes in. Whatever went wrong on Saturday, whatever went wrong on Sunday, it's all waiting Monday morning. And they're still sorting through all of that and working on that and not quite back in rhythm. And you've had those days. You know what the guy is talking about. You've probably taken, at least half of you have done that vitamin thing. It's not as bad as Tanny's grandfather. One time he grabbed Preparation H and brushed his teeth. You've heard that joke. He did it for real. Okay? Looked like he sucked a lemon for three weeks. Anyway, Daniel. Let's go to Daniel. Daniel had had to do all of his Mondays in Babylon. And sometimes, some days, it may feel like we're living in Babylon. You've heard that that parallel made a lot. I, I've made that parallel before myself. I'm surprised Daniel isn't in the, that song that we just sang. A lot of the people like him are, but, you know, unless you want 19 verses, we can't include them all. Uh, but Daniel had to go to work in Babylon every single day. Uh, you think about that, that the Babylonians were the ones who made everybody start working the entire week. And you start to understand more of why the Jews had to repent of not observing the Sabbath when they exited Babylon. You ever wonder why that was in there? Well, now you know. Uh, they, they had been absorbed into the Babylonian culture uh, by force at first. And then because they kind of, I don't think we always catch this, because a lot of them actually kind of liked living there after a while. It was a powerful, affluent, incredible nation from a worldly point of view. They got sucked in. Daniel, however, Never does. And that's incredible when you consider exactly where he was, the temptations that would have been before him all the time, and when you consider his talent and his ability and how well it was recognized even by people that he actually served. We kind of can lose sight of the fact he served as a slave. He's a bureaucratic slave, but I don't know. That could be worse. I have no idea. Uh, you know, working in a bureaucracy itself, not always the most exciting thing to do. And then to have to do that for a foreign government that also is oppressing your people and has enslaved you from the time you were a teenager. It's Monday stink, I would think, when you're in Babylon. Sometimes people feel like that. When we look at Daniel, one of the things we often do is we focus on one event in his life. We look at Daniel in the lion's den with good reason. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but with really good reason, we focus on that. And in truth, that was one event in a long life. Daniel lived to be over 80 years old. He worked until he was over 80 years old. So, you know, I've been, I have, I have not picked on retired people at all because really all the non-retired people are just jealous. And so, you know, we don't, we're not picking on you. But you are useful in the kingdom of God beyond the time that you're drawing a paycheck and showing up on a Monday. And that we want you to be sure and get. And Daniel very much was and used by God uh, to the very end, to the very end. We'll look at that here in a second when we look at the closing verse of the book. We're not going to look at every verse. Don't worry. I was joking about the about the things there. Um, but Daniel, we we focus on that one time, which was challenging. But what's more challenging? The big moment 
where you kind of steal up your back and stand up and take a deep breath and lean into God and, and say, I will not stop praying and I will not give up my faith and I will not give up my confession. This is who I am. That's, that can be hard. Sometimes it's not. When it is truly your conviction and it is truly who you are, sometimes those are the easy days. The harder days are the Mondays. And for over 80 years, Daniel got up every day of every week and served in a place he had come to as a slave against his will and served in a place where the, the religious um, beliefs and the things that were practiced were not just wrong. They weren't just different. They ran counter everything he believed. And you might think that, well, at least he didn't have to work you know, where it was in a religious setting. Yes, it was. Because the religion was you worshiped the king and you worshiped the gods of the king. And even your bureaucratic forms of the day on clay cylinders, they would have been, and clay tablets, stone tablets as well, even those things dripped with idolatry and pagan religious language. Daniel had to become an expert in a religion he did not believe, had to work with it every single day, and had to navigate, how do I live as a faithful believer in Jehovah God, but also work for Nebuchadnezzar and for Darius, work for these kind of guys with the things they say, the things they demand that we pay homage to. How do I do that? And every single day, that was in his face. Every single day, it was a challenge, and it wasn't easy. So when we look at Daniel, we need to look at the whole life and the big picture. So what I've got are several things that I noticed uh, just going through Daniel's life that really impressed me. Now, there is there's the obvious one. That's the obvious one. And so I'm not saying we I'm not saying we downplay that in the least. It's just that this is we kind of all focus on that day. And he had a much fuller life. From the very beginning, we see this one first. And I think this is a good place to start. It's where the book of Daniel starts. And that is that he was a man who was true to his convictions. He and several other young men were taken off to Babylon as prisoners. And they were taken because they were strong and because they were smart and bright and intelligent and talented. All those things, not one of those things. Um, and when they were taken to Babylon, they were then to be put into the service of the king. They were going to have as there always is, they're going to have, like on The Apprentice, they're going to have auditions and challenges and things like that to show that they were actually capable for what they had been carted back to Babylon to do. At the beginning of that, you probably are well aware of the story. In Daniel chapter 1, they, they then bring them all of this food. And to a teenage boy, you would look at this list of things they brought and you'd be like, we just hit the jackpot. But Daniel looks at it as a faithful Jew. He looks at it and says, this isn't all kosher, though. There are things here that we are not supposed to have. Things that aren't right by, by the law of Moses. Things that wouldn't have, have been right by even just laws of gluttony, if you look how long the list would be. Uh, though few teenagers worry about that, right? The hollow leg cancels some of those things out. Uh, just He looks at it all and he says, this isn't right for us. Many, many, many people, even of faith, in that moment would have said, well, I guess when in Rome, and they just would have caved. We see it all the time. Sometimes we're the ones doing the caving. How many things in our time are only a problem for Christians because Christians didn't 
stand up when they had the opportunity. Didn't hold the line when they had the opportunity and instead gave ground. And now nobody expects you to hold the line because you're the one who gave it up. If it was important to you, you wouldn't have done it. How often does that happen? I'm not even going to start naming examples. We'll be here all day. Not Daniel. In your place of whether it's work, volunteering, it may just be getting up and facing the family you have to face. That's just the truth. You may have family that fights you on your faith. Wherever it is and whatever the, the problems are, we've got to be people who stand our ground. And that may not mean stand your ground in a combative sort of a way, like a spiritual battle. It may at times just be, hey, here's what I believe. I need you to know that I'm going to be consistent with what I believe. I'm going to live by my faith. There are going to be things I can do. And there are going to be things here I cannot do. And that's who I am. And I need you to respect that. We'll come back to that respect thing here in a second. But I need you to respect that. That's what Daniel did. He goes to the guard who, who has set over these guys and he says, I can't eat this stuff. If you will just feed us vegetables, imagine that, a teenage boy, I'm just going to be vegetarian. Um, if you will just feed us the vegetables, that was probably the safest way to stay kosher is why he went that direction. Um, if you'll do that, I think God's going to bless us. And I think I think you'll see that everything's going to be just fine. Well, not only is everything fine, God does bless. The guard has moved to stand up for him. He gets the decision approved. They have a trial period, and during that trial period, those guys were healthier than anybody else and better off than anybody else. And the lesson there is not vegetarianism. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not the lesson. The lesson there is if you believe in God, Trust Him to take care of you when you have to stand up for what you believe in. And He did that. So He was always true. It wasn't one-time thing. The lions didn't happen because this day happened. Because all along, He just kept making the decision. I'm going to be who God has called me to be, and there's no way I'm giving in. And He wasn't rude. He wasn't disrespectful. In fact, quite the opposite. And God blessed Him. And all of that. And you can read all that in Daniel chapter 1. The second thing related to that is this. He was consistent. And particularly, I want to think about this. He was consistent in his faith and in his prayer. Go over to chapter 6. And it's verse 10 that I'm looking at here. This is when he gets in trouble. This is why he ends up going to the lion's den in the first place. There's a phrase in this verse that is subtle, but we need to catch it. Let's see here. I want to start. No, just we'll just do 10. Uh, now, when the da when the Daniel, he is the Daniel, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Why did he do that? Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed. Well, now, wait a minute. What is he not supposed to be doing? Praying to somebody like that. So what did he do? He is challenged by a law. That there's going to be trouble if you're praying to anybody except. And so what does Daniel do? He goes home and he starts praying. Now, there's two things to catch about this. One, he goes home and he starts praying. He doesn't just stand out there and say, well, I'll show you. It's, he's not picking a fight. Not at all. He is living before Jesus even said it. He's living what Jesus said. Your prayers aren't going to be answered because you went out there on a street corner and made a big show of yourself. Jesus taught that your prayers were going to be answered when you went in private 
with nobody seeing you. And he says, what you have asked for in private, the Lord will reward, or in, in private and secret, the Lord will reward you in secret. It's not a show. In fact, Jesus warns against that idea. Sometimes we kind of get our backbone in the wrong place, strong but in the wrong place. And we well, I'm going to show them, I'm going to do, and we start kind of trying to put a show on in front of people. I'm a man of faith, you can't blah, blah, blah. That's not what Daniel did. Daniel did what Jesus taught, and he didn't even have to be taught it by Jesus. Isn't that something? He was already who he was. He goes home, but he goes home and he prays. He doesn't slow down. He says he prays three times a day, and then there's this important phrase we've got to catch. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prays, giving, well, here's an extra bonus one, giving thanks. In a time of hardship, on a terrible Monday, Daniel did not gripe, fuss, complain, or fume, or pick fights. Daniel went home and prayed, and he thanked God. Wouldn't you like to know what he was saying? It's kind of nosy. But what was he thanking God for? He doesn't tell us. I think we read the rest of the book, we get the idea of what he's praying for. But he thanks God. Three times a day, he got down on his knees, he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. See, it wasn't a change for Daniel. Times got harder, but his behavior was exactly what it had always been. Consistent. He trusted God, he thanked God, he praised God, he prayed to God. Whatever comes to you hard on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a Monday on a Friday... Whatever comes to you that's so hard is not going to be a test of you that day. It's a test of who we are all the time. It's a test of how consistent we are in our relationship with God, in our, in our getting prayed up and, and, and ready for whatever may come, whenever it may come. He was ready this day. He handled it so well because that's who he was the week before and the week before and the week before, and the week before. It's who he had become. It wasn't just something that he did when things got tough. And so when things got tough, Daniel was ready because he had been consistent in his faith and his prayer. I said I'd come back to this one. Third thing is, he earned respect through respect. That is not the way we naturally work it. We want respect given to us And if you respect us, then we'll respect you. And anybody who doesn't respect us, we just aren't going to respect. It's kind of the American way, isn't it? A little bit of Texanism rising up in us. Well, you you don't like me, I'm not going to like you. It's great in the third grade on the playground, but it doesn't work in real life. All it does is create more problems. Daniel had learned this. If he he, Clearly he had good parents because he was this way from the moment his feet hit Babylonian soil. From the moment. When he approached them about the food, he wasn't throwing a fit. He wasn't being persnickety. He wasn't being picky. He wasn't saying, this isn't good enough for me. He was saying, I have a conviction. I believe the words of my God who has told me I can't do this. Can we find a solution? He respected the guard. The guard respected him. You see how that works? Think about who he worked for. He worked for Nebuchadnezzar. We just take that one. He worked for several guys over the course of his life. Daniel, such an impressive man of faith, and God put him where he wanted him for so long. 
kind of like in the United States, presidents come and go, but some of the people who work at the White House stay there regardless of administration. Daniel was that kind of a guy. He wasn't deep state. That's not what I'm talking about. Daniel was the kind of a guy who outlasted the rulers. And you think about that. Sometimes it was an enemy king who would come in after, for example, once the Babylonians were gone, the next rulers come in. They don't kick Daniel out. You would think they would have. He was too valuable. Why was he so valuable? All seven of these things we're going to look at. Seven. He's only on three. Yeah, all seven of these things, but I'm going to go fast. All right? But he earned respect by showing them, listen, I respect you, Nebuchadnezzar. We would say, I think a lot of times we would say, how am I supposed to respect this guy? He's arrogant. He's pompous. He's worldly. Almost defines what worldly means in every possible way. He's ungodly. He's pagan. He tries to steal glory from God. He pretends he is a God some days. Just vain as all get out. How is Daniel supposed to respect him? Daniel respects him because God has put Daniel in the place where he is the one that Daniel answers to and serves. I think he recognizes that this is a providential placement that he's in. So is yours. Hear that. So is yours. God has put you where you are on purpose, wherever that is, in whatever circumstances that is, for a purpose. Daniel respects God, and therefore he respects those around him where God has put him and sees them as part of his mission and service in the kingdom of God. So Nebuchadnezzar was not an enemy to be hated. He was a man to be reached. And when you look at the life of Daniel, we never see Nebuchadnezzar just come down the aisle and and go to the water. We see Nebuchadnezzar humbled. We see him acknowledge the power of God. We see him do several things where he was actually used by God in ways that a man that pagan would not normally be. And it all came from his respect for Daniel. You think about when Daniel was in the lion's den. What does the king say then? He's like, I sure hope your God saves you. Why? Because that's how much he respected Daniel. So much that he was starting to respect God. He made a a, a pagan ruler pray to God for the protection of Daniel. That's an incredible impact he had. And it started with him Showing respect whether the person deserved it or not. That was not the issue. Christians don't show respect because people deserve it. We show respect because God has called us to be those kind of people. It's a whole different ballgame. Whole different ballgame. Number four, he exemplified excellence in everything that he did. And I talked a couple of weeks ago about the importance of our work reflecting our faith in that we we do everything we do. Colossians 3.17, we do it to God's glory. We do it all in the name of Christ. Paul says that, that in Colossians and Ephesians and later elsewhere in Colossians. He, he encourages us to be people who serve in a way that shows our faith in God through the excellence of our work. That you do what's right, whether they deserve it or not, kind of going back to number three, and all of that. Just show excellence in everything you do. And Daniel, this, that's just a constant. That's why I said I didn't give you a chapter and a verse because it's the whole book. Like from page one to the end, 
of chapter 12. This is who he was. And it's just a constant theme. In chapter 7, go over to verse uh, 14 of chapter 7. We have this. He never loses sight of that big picture. He knows he's serving God. He knows he's serving the kingdom of God. And not just the kingdom of God in his time. He's not just serving the people of Israel. He knows there's something far, far bigger going on here. And in chapter 7, verse 14, we read this. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Who's he talking about? Well, you go back up to verse 13 and he tells us, he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. Jesus. He didn't know the name Jesus, I don't imagine. But he knew the coming Messiah. He knew the coming kingdom of the Messiah. And he worked in God's kingdom to bring that about. He was one of those people who kept putting out the message of hope and putting out the vision. Some of those he had to lock up for a while, but he faithfully did that so that when the time came, people would understand who Jesus is. On Monday, you may not be able to find enough redeeming value in something that you have to face that you're frustrating, frustrated about. But remember this. How you handle it and the hope you bring to the people who work with you or for you or above you is changed by how you hold out hope and glory in Jesus Christ. You know, the only thing you may be able to say is, listen, this is going to be a pain and I'm not sure how we're going to get through this, but I'm a believer and I believe God will get us through this. We're going to get it done. Lean into the bigger picture. You serve a living God who has put you there again for a purpose that is bigger than any of us can ever understand. Number six, he loved, I, I, I love this part, he loved and interceded for the people of God. I think Daniel chapter 9 gets overlooked a lot. I am guilty uh, of doing that some. The last time that we studied Daniel in the men's class uh, several months ago, this was something that we focused on. Daniel's prayer for the people of Israel. In chapter 9, the first, uh, what is it? Verses, the first verses, the first 19 verses. Uh, Daniel prays for their repentance, for their forgiveness, and basically for them to remember why they were there in the first place, which was idolatry. They were in exile because of their idolatry. And he goes to God and says, listen, we know and I know. And he's, he doesn't pretend that, you know, I've done great, but look at these people. There's none of that. He's humble. And he says, God, we haven't. It's, it's really time that you should be calling us out of this. Our, our punishment time should almost be up. But God, we haven't. We haven't grown like we should have. We haven't repented like we should have. We're not there yet. And he pleads with God for mercy. He pleads with God to help them get there because he loves his people. He doesn't pretend they're perfect. He just loves them. And in their flaws, he doesn't gripe about them or anything like that. In their flaws, he prays for God's forgiveness. He acknowledges those things and says, Lord, help us, forgive us. We can do better. And that kind of a character is one that we, in the church today, we need to, to 
remember and, and revive and let the Spirit revive in us, we love one another. And we're going to love one another. And we're going to serve one another. And we're going to pray for one another. And are there flaws? Yeah, of course there are. There's a bunch of humans involved. So what do we do? We pray for one another. We're patient for one another. And we pledge to move forward with Christ, with one another. And finally, this one. I, should, I never say finally. I know better than that. Finally. Uh, number seven. He faithfully pointed us, us, to the Messiah and His kingdom. I mentioned it earlier. God entrusts Him with these visions of the coming kingdom of God and of the Messiah in chapters 10 to 12. Go read that. That is some, some wild stuff that he, that he wrote. And He faithfully did that. The Word God gave Him, He handled as God called Him, to handle it. You get the hint at what I'm getting at, right? We need to be the people. We talk about we rightly divide the Word of God. We need to rightly handle the Word of God, which means, yes, we need to understand it, we need to understand what's going on, and we need to study and all of that, but it also means that when you understand, you share. Our right handling of the Word of God will also be that we're willing to share the Gospel with the people around us. Daniel did. You've read it because he was faithful. What will be here just as far after you because you were faithful? God's working on something. Be faithful with what God is working on. Chapter 12. I said down at the very end uh, I wanted to look at something. But first, look at this. This is about you. It's about the people that were in Babylon as they were uh, faithful there and as they would would be released and go back to Jerusalem and to reestablish that, like you read about in Ezra and Nehemiah. But it's, it's also a reminder to you and to me. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. There's a reward for being faithful. And these words don't come from Daniel. They come from God through His messenger sent to Daniel. That those who are faithful through all those things that were going to happen to the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, and then as the kingdom of God entered the world through Jesus Christ and on the day of Pentecost, it was all just declared. It says righteous people, faithful people who live like this, they'll shine and they'll be rewarded. They'll shine like stars forever and ever. Paul uses a phrase, I think, related to that in Philippians chapter 2, where he says that if we have this kind of a character of Christ, a kingdom character, that we shine like stars in the universe. Verse 13. I want to close with this. Verse 13, he tells Daniel, it's the last thing we have said to Daniel, and nothing after this. It's just kind of then the lights fade and the curtains close. As for you, Daniel, go your way. I said curtains close and I got tingly. Did you did y'all hear that too? That was funny. Sound effects. Uh, as for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. David was faithful, and the last words spoken are. And God will be faithful to you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, I think it is, 
Paul tells the church the same thing. He says to them, and God can do it. Because God is faithful. Instead of my normal prayer, I want to read to you the lyrics of a song as our prayer. And uh, this is one, Curly, I think it's you that leads this from time to time. Let it be said of us. I think these words encapsulate well the spirit you see in Daniel's character and that we need to see in our own. And so uh, go ahead and you can bow your head. We're going to be traditional. You bow your heads. Bow your heads. And uh, I'm going to read this, but it's going to be our prayer. Dear Lord, let it be said of us that you have been our passion, that with gladness we bore every cross we were given, that we fought the good fight, that we finished the course, knowing within us is the power of the risen Lord. Let the cross be our glory, and let you be our song, by mercy made holy and by the Spirit made strong. Let it be said of us, Lord, we were marked by forgiveness, that we're known by our love, and delighted in weakness. And we've been ruled by your peace, heeding unity's call, joined as one body, that Christ would be seen by all. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.